I want to play in this league a long time. And if I want to do that, there's things I just need to continue to get better at. And we've seen what Mitch can do on his legs. Pace might even be getting a third head coach. Matt Nagy thought it was so smart. He's going to be our starter uh, through everything as we go here. He's, he's starting for Green Bay. Trubisky, easy, wasn't it? Touchdown, Trubisky! You're now tuning into the Barely Hibernating Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, featuring Bear Report's own Usaid Kosho and fan-sided Sam Stevenson and AJ Desai. Here are your hosts. So, Mitch Trubisky's back. Nick Foles is on the bench again. The Bears are playing the Packers on Sunday night during Thanksgiving week for the first time in five years. What's going on, guys? Welcome into the introductory episode of the Barely Hibernating Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. Every single week, I'm going to be your host, Usaid Koshal. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Usaid Koshal. Join with me today or joining me on this podcast, right? We've got AJ Desai and Sam Stevenson. You can follow them on Twitter at AJ Desai4 and at SJSteve9. What's up, guys? That was a fire intro. <laughs> that was awesome. Well done, you said. That was awesome. 10 out of 10. I love it, man. No one really pronounces my last name correctly, but you kind of hit the nail on it. So I think, dude, the yeah, first well done. I think the first time. We were at Austin's, at least me and you, AJ, watching a game. Austin, our buddy on Lakeshore Live. Go check them out, too. Um, I got your name 100% correct. I think it was the first time he added you into, like, the group chat. We're all just, you know, everyone's in there pretty much 24-7, especially me and you, AJ. Just, like, trash-talking this team, man, because that's been been that kind of year, you know? Yeah, man, it's just been that year where there's a lot of things that are not going the Bears' way, and there's a lot of things that the bears fans want to go their way, but you know, uh, the NFL is not a, um, give me a two way street where I can just have the two ways and then the other ways cannot go, um, the other way. So, um, you've got to keep one to give up one. So well said. Yeah, dude. But anyway, before we get into like the action packed show that we've got planned for today, we just want to go ahead and introduce ourselves, guys, just because you, the listeners, you know, we thank you all for your support. But we want you guys to know who the voices behind the show are. So as I mentioned, I'm Usaid Koshal. All right. I write for Bear Report, which is part of 247 Sports. So I get media credentials with the Bears. I write for Fanside. It's the Windy City 2 covering Chicago sports, mainly the Bears. And then this is my second weekly podcast that I do. I've got another one with Bear Report called Picks for Pace. On there, we discuss college football and NFL draft stuff with a Chicago Bears angle. Sam, I'll go to you next. Well, as you said, just introduce me. My name's Sam Stevenson. Uh, I am obviously one of the co-hosts on this show. Um, I write for Fansided's page, Bear Goggles. Tons of Bears content on there. I also write for full press coverage as well. I also do some social media for uh, the podcast you said mentioned earlier, Lakeshore Live. Uh, helping them out with social media content, and uh, just a diehard Bears fan, excited to be on the show. Um, I'm going to go right to you, AJ. Thanks, Sam. Well, um, I'm AJ. 
AJ Desai. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Desai4. Um, I'm the co-host of Fantasy Odds Cast. Um, it's another fantasy and sports betting podcast. And I'm the co-host of this beautiful podcast sponsored by Blue Wire. And you said gave me the wonderful opportunity to grow myself and to grow my brand as a podcaster. So thanks, you said for this opportunity, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It was weird because I texted Sam, right? And I was like, yo, I have an opportunity to start up a Bears pod. And I'm pretty sure we came up with the name within just five minutes of texting. And, you know, like yeah. we said, it's called the Barely Hibernating Podcast. And essentially the point behind it is that, you know, we never hibernate when it comes to talking about the Bears. So we're barely hibernating when it comes to talking about the monsters of the Midway. Perfectly said. Absolutely perfectly said. Yeah, anyway, so we're going to get into our first topic, guys. Obviously, the big story Sunday night is not just Bears-Packers on Thanksgiving. It's Mitch Trubisky starting again. And I think, like, Sam, I'll go to you on this one first, right? Like, this for me, dude, just means that, like, everyone on Twitter is fired up again. And maybe this is the best thing that the Bears need because, like, Nick Foles was a freaking failure. Yeah, I mean, in terms of fan base, it's exciting to be like, oh, we're going back to Mitch. But, I mean, was there any other option? Foles isn't healthy to play. And are you really going to rely on Tyler Bray? And kind of a key divisional matchup. I mean, obviously, we'll have our thoughts on the Bears season later. But, I mean, you're a 5-5 five and five team. You're coming in against a 6-4 and four Packers team. Your defense might be good enough to hold the Packers to a limited amount of points. It's huge to be what's going to happen on the offensive side of things. But, again, there really wasn't another option if we're looking at this from a realistic side of things. I mean, it was either Mitch, who's healthy, or Tyler Bray. Yeah, I'm right, I'm right there with you, Sam. I feel like, you know, are you really going to trot the third-string quarterback out there, or are you going to just, like, just dumbfound your fans and just completely forget Trubisky and just throw Bray out there? Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I didn't really think that this, that this franchise had it in them to, uh, to put Tyler Bray out there to like to swallow their pride and to like say that this whole Trubisky thing is over let's go to Tyler Bray because we're not going back to Trubisky so like now this entire this injury with Nick Foles is like now like hey we got six games left all right to see what the franchise has in Trubisky right the opportunity to re-sign him again which I think is an opportunity if he does ball out these next six games and if he does there's no reason why he shouldn't be worth that $25 million fifth option. And that's what he could be settling for in Chicago. If he gets that two year deal, two year, $50 million deal. But, you know, and like, again, Bears fans would love that. Trubisky supporters would love that. If he was in Chicago for a couple extra years behind Nick Foles, learning the offense a lot better and rejuvenating his career in Chicago. But like, this, this is a chance. And like, like you said, said Nick Foles, he, that experiment, that, that fourth round pick gone, poof. Pixie dust. You can't get that back. Jackson Wolf fleeced us, you know, and now it's the time to see what Mitch does. His ability to extend plays definitely stands out. So, I mean, he's going to have that extra one this two seconds to definitely release that ball to find someone open. I mean, do what Houston did yesterday. They had four trick plays and they got four first downs on them. So, I mean, if you run right, throw it back to Mitch and do that, do that 40 yard pass play. I mean, do something, get some points on the board. 
So what I'll say is this is first off the anytime you trade. So when they benched Trubisky, I was one of the few people who had this unpopular opinion on Bears Twitter, especially after like foes stunk it up the last few weeks. You know, the whole turn back to Trubisky thing was here pre-injury anyway, like pre-Nick Foles injury anyway. And for me, at the end of the day, it was just like, look, if you bench Foles and you go back to Trubisky, but Foles is healthy, what you're basically admitting at that point is that your original plan in Trubisky failed. So you benched him for Foles, but then your backup bill too, right? Right, which just shows the state of the freaking franchise, and we'll talk about that in a couple moments here. But like, you gave up anytime you give up a fourth round pick in twenty one guaranteed twenty one million to a QB, you better hope that that guy like works out because like everyone knew going into the year, Nick Foles was never going to be the same guy that won the MV the Super Bowl MVP award three or four years ago. But you're bringing him here because Matt Nagy believed. First things first, right? It's all on Nagy because Nagy believed that Foles was the guy. He had a say in acquiring him. And then on top of that, you hired coaches that had worked with Foles, right? So you hired like his QB coach. I think Laser and Filippo were his QB coach and offensive coordinator at like multiple times throughout Foles' career, you know? And I think Foles actually had the seven-touchdown game against the Raiders in 2012 or 2013. The one that was circulating on Bears Twitter a couple weeks ago, this is what this guy could do. Like, I think Laser was the offensive coordinator or the QB coach during that year. So it's like the Bears have failed with Foles, and even if Foles is fully healthy in like a week or two against the Lions or the Vikings, you know what? I see zero reason to even go back to Foles at all because it's like if we look at the start of the year, right, like Trubisky had the one real nice play in week two to Darnell Mooney where he rolls out of the pocket and is actually motioning Mooney to like the left and is like, oh, run that way so he could throw him a touchdown and then boom, like we need more plays like those, right? If that's, if Trubisky, those types of plays are going to get you six points, get you touchdowns, you got to roll with the guy that's going to be the facilitator and that's Trubisky, not Foles. Well, Foles looks like a a shot giraffe in the pocket when he gets pressure. He doesn't move. He's immobile. At least with Mitch, if pressure comes, you know that guy's going to move around a little bit, and we've seen what Mitch can do on his legs. And look, I'm not saying – I said this in a tweet a couple days ago. Do I think overall that Mitch Trubisky is a better quarterback than Nick Foles? No. Do I think he's a better option for this team for the rest of the season? Absolutely. Mitch's athletic ability alone is going to be able to extend plays. And if you look at the remaining slate of games for the Bears, there are legitimately four to five wins. Now, obviously, I'm not saying any of these games are going to be easy because the first couple of games for the Bears should have been easy and we barely went 3-0. So I think that the, tra- the, the switch back to Mitch had to happen based on injuries alone. But I think you ride him out the rest of the year. Bearing an injury, again... I don't think Foles plays another game for the Bears in 2020. I'm not saying he's gone in 2021, but I don't think you put Foles back in after this week if he's healthy for the next coming game. That was it. Just, was... just me if if Foles. My, my bad, you said like a couple of things. It just it just wasn't just doesn't make sense to me if Foles goes back in if uh, Mitch loses or wins this game. Just let Mitch finish out the season and just revisit it after that. Like. Let's not play QB carousel with six games left. Let's not do that here in Chicago. Let's not, let's not kill the the hype that fans have grown up for Trubisky. Just go back to Foles the next week. Let's not do that. Sorry, you said. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I was just going to say, Sam, that was an excellent joke you made bearing an injury. Oh, yeah, I didn't even realize I said that. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you guys, oh, seriously, geez. you guys got to shoot Sam a follow on Twitter because if I were to give a, a grade to his GIF game, what do you guys say, GIF or Jeff? Because I say GIF. 
I say GIF. I say GIF. Yeah, I say GIF, right? I don't know why people... It's like the peanut butter that's spelled J-I-F. Yeah, it's exactly, like, I used to, exactly. See, Gift I used to... You know, funny story here, and we're going to go off on funny stories all the time just because that's the way we do things here. But anyway, I was working at Jewel throughout, like, you know, senior year of high school and freshman year of college, and I swear to God, dude, people would be like, do you have the GIF peanut butter? And I'm like, what peanut butter? Like, the one that's pronounced J-I-F, you know? And someone completely butchered it. But yeah, anyway, follow Sam for his elite GIF game because, you know, it's like his other podcast. What is it? Gym Class Villains. He tweet- I tweeted at the pod yeah. last night. <laughs> and someone replied with a GIF, and then I just tweeted back with, what's up, Sam? I think that was one of my friends. He said, hey, someone tweeted at us. I'm like, oh, send a response uh, GIF or something. They'll think it's me. And, I, and sure enough, I knew you were going to say what's up, Sam. But yeah, go follow Jim Class Villains for those who aren't listening. That pod's a lot of fun. Just very conversational. A lot of goofballs on there. But we have fun over there. Back to this pod, though. Yeah, anyway. So, guys, I think we have to understand, right? Like, this is a franchise-turning game on Sunday night, regardless of what the result is, because it's like you saw the Mike. Everyone saw the Mike Lombardi report that came out on Monday or Tuesday afternoon, where it was like, "Oh, Pace is going to be guaranteed another year." And you know, I've heard certain things, right, that Pace might even be getting a third head coach. But it's like if you were to go, if you're going to fire Pace or Nagy, who are you firing first? Ag, I'll go to you on this one. Wow. Um. I would actually go ahead and let Matt Nagy go. Uh, I don't want to fire Ryan Pace. Like, like, it, like that's the thing. Like, I don't want to fire our GMs because I feel like, you know, we, feel, we hit the reset button every five years. And nothing's going to come towards that. Like, I, I feel like if you just give Ryan Pace a third opportunity, because I, I, I don't, I don't count, count John Fox's hire on Ryan Pace's record. I think that was more of an organization move pushed upon him. But – like, and then he was able to get his choice, but I think he should get a second choice because I don't think that, like, I think he messed up with Matt Nagy, but I think he could go out there and go get another person. But, like, I would fire Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace stays. I would agree with Mike Lombardi in that. Uh, to kind of go off of that, I think if you let go of Pace, I think Nagy's gone regardless. Yeah. I don't think a new GM comes in and says, yeah, I like what Nagy's built here. I'd like to keep him for another year, unless it was more just for stability case or case, excuse me. But I think letting go of Nagy kind of, again, kind of like what AJ said, you said it perfectly, gives Pace another chance. But does removing Nagy solve any of the problems that Pace has done? Or does that look like a short-term solution? Like, oh, we got rid of this head coach. It clearly didn't work. We have a new opportunity to go after another head coach. And there are some interesting prospects for the Bears to go after next year. But does that look kind of more like a short-term solution that the organization can be like, well, Nagy was clearly the problem. We can make it seem like he was the problem and give Pace more of a leash. Or does it really have to come down to like, this is on Pace and Nagy. It's a two-headed snake. So that's one. My only concern with if you only fire Nagy, it makes Pace look like the good guy. And obviously Pace has done some good things with this time with the Bears. He's made a lot of mistakes that have cost this franchise a lot. Yeah, you know, I was looking at the roster last night and, and I realized, like, you look at a lot of the stars on this roster – and, like, a lot of them have been drafted by other teams. So, like, Allen Robinson was the Jags draft pick. Khalil Mack was the Raiders draft pick. Akeem Hicks, you know, was not a star, 
prior to signing with the Bears in 2016, but he developed into one like Danny Trevathan and Kyle Fuller, two other guys. Like Trevathan's not like a top linebacker in the NFL anymore, just because it's clear this year he's lost a step. I always thought of him to be just like a solid starter that was going to make an impact regardless of what team he was on. But it's like when I look at all the stars on this roster, you know, the only two that Pace has really drafted has been Eddie Jackson and Roquan Smith. Now, with that, regardless, like the reason that I would fire Pace is because like, this is the guy that gave Rob Quinn seventy million dollars over a five-year period. This is the guy who reached for Cole Komet. This is the guy who traded two thirds and a fourth, right, for Mitch Trubisky, moving up one spot. This is the guy who basically panicked for Cole Komet, right, and was so hell bent on getting him, he actually tried to trade up to thirty-six overall with the Giants, right, and. By the way, the Bears had legitimate conversations regarding that. Now, I think, like, regarding Nagy, like, let's just say in my scenario, you fire pace, right? What's going to happen is you just keep the new – let the new GM decide what you want to do with Nagy. Keep – if the new GM decides, you know, I'm going to keep Nagy around for another year just so I can kind of have 2021 to build my long-term vision of this team, that's not going to include Nagy. I can just spend the year getting – certain players that I need and whatnot. And then from there, right, hire my guy in 2022 because I just feel like it's going to be too late. The quality head coaching candidates are gone within like the first 14 days of January and the Bears GM search, like they took forever, dude, to freaking hire Ryan Pace, right? And then after that, they took forever to go ahead and hire Ryan, or I'm sorry, John Fox to the point where it was like, as soon as the Broncos lost in the divisional round that year, Fox was fired the next day. And then there were reports that leaked that saying, oh, yeah, the Bears head coaching search has finally gotten more interesting. Like this franchise is always a step too slow in everything that it does. And you just can't expect them to hire a general manager and head coach in the same offseason. So, like, if you got to fire one, you know, you should fire Pace. But I know Pace is going to be back because Mike Lombardi, the thing is Bears fans don't like him because during – Trubisky's sophomore season, he was on Chicago radio basically saying, all you guys that have Trubisky jerseys, sorry, AJ, y'all are going to have to sell these on Amazon in a couple years. And like Lombardi was right about that, dude. Like he basically predicted Trubisky was going to be trash before Trubisky was actually trash. So like this franchise, right, dude, if they're going to hit the reset button, they have one winning season every 10 years almost. So they're going to hit the reset button and go with, um, you know, if I hit the reset button, I'm going with pace. I was going to say the Bears are the Internet Explorer of uh, Internet Explorer things when it comes to hiring coaches. They are so very, very, very slow. Um, I think it's just frustrating because I think if you look at the 2018 season, regardless of how well you thought the offense was, Pace did everything right, at least to an extent. He brought in good free agents on the offense. He built that defense. You trade for Khalil. Everything was built properly. And then in 2019, when it fell apart, instead of admitting this didn't work, mm-hmm. you tried to squeeze out another year on this deep, this poor, poor defense that deserves better. And your big time plan was we're going to go trade for Nick Foles, but he's a Super Bowl, he's a Super Bowl MVP, guys. Well, he's a Super Bowl MVP on a good offense that had a good head coach and a good offensive coordinator. I mean, Doug Peterson isn't what he used to be, but you have to remember the Eagles had Frank Wright. They had good coaching. They had good weapons. And Foles was just clicking enough when the Eagles won that Super Bowl to get them past the Patriots in that game. The Bears can't admit that, like, after 2018, when things started to go downhill, well, we, we still got this defense. We can figure it out on offense. But you didn't do anything to fix the actual problems. There are problems on the offensive line. You went and signed some guy off the Seahawks who hasn't been that good. 
There's problems at tight end. You went and gave $9 million to Jimmy Graham. Pace acknowledges the fact that there was problems and like spent so was so fixated on solving one thing that he couldn't figure out that there's 12 other things that needed to be resolved in order for this team to maybe be a contender again. And that's what's frustrating is when you watch this defense every weekend, you can see the potential of that defense stopping playoff teams. But this offense just looks like a grade school offense. It's pathetic to watch. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I said earlier that, like, you know, like if you were, were to pick one, you pick negative fire. But then again, you bring out the cons. It's a pretty long list for Ryan Pace. The, one of the first moves, you know, he drafted Kevin White. And, you know, Kevin White was supposed to take that Brandon Marshall spot. He was supposed to blow past corner cornerbacks and, and get that 75-yard touchdown, get that 60-yard touchdown, you know, like the touchdowns that, like, Tyree Kill gets and stuff. You know, that, that he was supposed to be that 4-4 speed guy. So that doesn't go right for him. Next year, he goes out, and he just signs all these weird people. He signs Antro Roll. He signs Quentin Demps. He signs uh, Pernell McPhee, who did have a good first season in Chicago, but then was plagued by injuries. You know, uh, there's a lot of things. He signed Mike Lennon, which I didn't get when Kirk Cousins went for $2 million, you know, um, or Case Keenum. Both of those um, two QBs went less than what we signed on Glennon for combined. So, you know, I mean, there is probable cause to fire him. I'm just going to stop there for his acquisitions and moves and trades. I mean, yeah, he traded for Khalil Mack, but then you see – the Rams just like flipping a switch and trading for Jalen Ramsey, a change of scenery. And look at Jalen Ramsey now, one of the best corners in the league right now. You know, like it is becoming a a normal formality to trade two first round picks for a star studded player because any GM can pull that off. You know what I mean? Like uh, the Rams did it um, to get Jared Goff. Um, they the Eagles did it to get Nick Foles. Granted, it wasn't two first-round picks, but it was some pick compensation to get him over to Philly again for a second stint. So, I mean, I mean, for me, if it comes down to Black Friday, Black Monday after Week 17, I wouldn't be surprised if both of them were be, were gone. Because, you know, like strapping uh, strapping pace and cash. Like I feel like you know, like it it goes higher than pace, but then, I mean. Guys like Ted Phillips, George McCaskey, they're they're not they're not going to admit their faults pretty quickly. So they're just, they're just going to go ahead and fire their head coach and general manager. Yeah, I think right now, if you were to fire Pace and Nagy after the year, then you got to do a full reset, right? And I think that includes if you're ownership, right? Because ownership has so many problems right. here. Anyways, we get into our next topic. Ownership's a freaking mess, right? Because like AJ, I know you're a season ticket holder for this team. And it's just like every single year you're paying money for damn 16, 17 games. And it's like once every decade, they tend to make the playoffs, you know, and elite defenses are wasted and whatnot. And what happens is just like, what the hell is this? Like Ted Phillips is a freaking bigger problem because he's been there for three decades at this point. I think Ted Phillips was around for the 85 Bears, right? And like, yet it's been the same. He was hired before. Yeah, so he's, you know, been there since then, right? Like, Ted Phillips is such a damn issue. You got to hit the kind of reset button on everything, and you got to get rid of Ted Phillips. And I think, like, if you're going to get rid of Pace and Nagy, the one guy I would love to hire, but this would be kind of breathing tons of fresh air into the franchise, would be Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald. Because, like, if you guys saw the Albert Breal report that came out today, like, Fitzgerald likes Northwestern, and he likes Illinois, and he turned down an offer from Green Bay a couple years ago 
to stay at Northwestern. He's got three teenage kids, right? And Fitzgerald just doesn't want to get up and go anywhere. But Albert Brewer from Sports Illustrated was like, yeah, you know what? If the offer came, Fitzgerald would take the Bears job if they were serious about it. But then with that, for a guy as accomplished as Fitzgerald, you would have to give him like all say over anything and everything football operations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the one thing too, that's frustrating is the bears aren't three and seven this year. They're five and five. Mm-hmm. They won a couple of games this year. They shouldn't have won beating the bucks in prime time was almost a bad thing. Looking at it now, if the bears lose that game to the bucks in prime time, I think you're looking at a situation where it's like, all right, it's time to start retooling this. This isn't working, but because we beat the bucks and even I, I was hyped when we beat the bucks. It was a great game. It was so awesome game to watch i'm my mind i'm thinking if we can beat the bucks we get into the playoffs no team's gonna be able to stop our defense we got good decent special teams um like you know the offense just has to start clicking a little bit at this point though you're in this weird middle ground and it's so frustrating because i always think the bears are in this middle ground right where you're not good enough oh my gosh hit my mic you're not good enough to be an actual contender in the playoffs but you can win enough games hypothetically to get there but does going 5-11 and 11 mean, oh, we're going to fix everything? Or is it going to be, a, oh, maybe we'll bring in a new head coach and we'll tool some things, right? And that's what's so frustrating. If the Bears had lost – if the Bears lost to the Lions and lost to the Falcons, right, they start 1-2, and two, and at this point in the season they only have three wins under their belt, I think legitimately there would be more conversations about really fixing everything, at least maybe some conversations or rumors. Because the team's 5-5 five and five, – and they still believe that they can make a playoff push, which obviously I'd love to watch playoff football. They're in, again, this weird middle ground of, are we good enough to be a playoff contender or do we tank? And even then, is tanking and going 5-11 and going to be good enough to actually get a quality first-round pick? And you know the Bears need to draft a quarterback next year. Do we get a top-five guy if we go 5-11? and So it's frustrating because that's obviously something that the organization struggles to realize is that this team isn't a good team but because where record shows otherwise, like five and five isn't a bad record. It's not great because our record shows otherwise. It's that conversation of what do we do with this last slate of games? And the bears could go five and one, four and two, potentially in this last slate of games, they could split with the Packers. Like there is enough talent to potentially do that, but there's not enough talent to be a real playoff contender. And if you make the playoffs and you lose in the first round, like, what do you do then? You're not going to rebuild because you think you're a playoff team. And then you're going to go and make weird, signings in 2021 so it's it's very frustrating because again five and five looks okay but in reality this bears team should be three and seven two and eight if i'm going to be completely honest and right there sam you hit you you, that's just um on the money right there because when you talk about the bears in 2018 right just take it take one step back in 2018 parky misses that kick and i hate mentioning that because i was at the game right but 2019, what did we do? We didn't improve. Like, that's where you go out and you get three or two or three blue blue chip starters in your defense in free agency. You know what I mean? That's what John Elway did when he got embarrassed against the Seahawks, 43-8. to eight. He went out and he got Aqib Tlaib, DeMarcus Ware, and I think uh, one more sign. I can't remember his name right now. But three signings, three starters. Two years later, he wins the Super Bowl, you know? That's what the Bears need to do. They need to go out and make that signing. And like, and like, and like, the, we, me and you said we talk about this all the time. The Bears make moves 
a year early or a year late. They never make moves on time. Like, for example, Robert Quinn would have been a hell of a signing in 2019. Yes. But then you get him next year. You know, but like you can't control that because he was on a one year deal in Dallas. But what you can control is looking at the free agent market and see who helps my team. And then 2020, Jermaine Ofedi doesn't help your team. Rashad Coward doesn't help your team. Like and then like you look at the injuries, James Daniels, he got injured because of the like the um, the in- incompetence of the offensive line. You can't block more than one second, and then someone fell on top of him, and he's done. Yeah, and the thing with James Daniels, right, is so I think like kind of trying to dissect Pace's thinking here, his thought process was like, okay, listen, I have James Daniels, and I have Anthony Miller. And that 2018 draft was deeper than a lot of people were willing to admit, right? So when they got James, because James Daniels was drawing first-round hype that year, so was Anthony Miller. And the fact that you got Daniels at 36th overall. Iowa guard, too. Right, in Iowa Guard. And Kirk Frenitz, you know, my high school, one of my high school history teachers was best friends with Kirk Frenitz, right? And he straight up told me with the Iowa offensive lineman, he was just like, listen, these guys, they can play either guard. They can play like pretty much any position on the offensive line. Like Iowa, I would say right now, a bit of a hot take is offensive line university, just because most of the guards, like Brendan Sheriff's another one that's come out of there, right? Over the last like six to seven years, like he's gone on to be a really solid signing. Okay. James Daniels is still growing into the position, you know, and I continuously say this, like I know oil and Kruitz is on 670 to score sometimes. And is like, yeah, well, James Daniels has what it takes to play center in the NFL. And it's like, listen, you tried that experiment last year. It didn't work. Some guys are just better suited to play inside. And then on top of that, why would you disrupt the, if you're the coaching staff, like why would you just disrupt the offensive line continuity, especially knowing that two years prior to you even getting to Chicago, Matt Nagy, right? Cody white here was your starting center. So everything's been thrown off because of just bad moves that this team has made over the last year or so. And it's like, right now I would rather be the New York jets than be the Chicago Bears. If I had a GM job opening, like I would be the Jets over the Bears because like yeah. the Jets, they got a couple first rounders. They I think have like nine picks in the first three rounds. Ninety million dollars in cap space. Right. And then you have a chance at getting, you know, Trevor Lawrence and you already have like Denzel Mims and Mackay Becton. So it's a pretty sad state of affairs when an original NFL charter franchise is, you know, what are the laughing stocks of the league? But then you have a team like the Jets that's also a laughing stock that just has a significantly better outlook. And the Jets have been with Joe Douglas has been the Jets GM for like, you know, two years at this point. I mean, Ryan Pace has been here for six years. And the most he's had to show is like a 12 win season that was because of a defense that Vic Fangio and John Fox built. Well said. That's crazy. You said, yeah, on the money. But go ahead, Sam. I'm sure you uh, got something. I mean, I can't even. Edge, I'm gonna let you talk because I I gotta collect my thoughts here for a second. <laughs> yeah, I'm collecting thoughts right now. But like, here here's my thing. The like, thing. Oh, go go ahead, dude. Yeah. Honestly, like uh, like say if like you know John, like uh, the owner of the Jets, um, like uh, Woodson, I think his name Woody is Woody Johnson. And, you mean yeah? Yeah, Woody, Woody, Woody. Yeah, Woody came what came to me like, AJ, would you like to be the GM of my team? I'd probably go with him because you know 
Woody Johnson, he's not the person that would actually like, you know, interfere with his GM. Like I haven't really seen anything with Joe Douglas and him going at it back and forth. This hasn't been like a Browns issue or anything like that. It's just like he stays out of it and his son just does all the stuff in the background. But like, you know, that's the thing. You just mentioned that like if I had to pick a job between the Bears and the Jets, knowing that like in the history of the head coaches and the GMs, there has been ownership meddling going on in Chicago and there hasn't been ownership meddling going on in the Jets, I would definitely take the Jets job. Because, like, you know, if I need 100% freedom, and you were talking about Pat Fitzgerald um, a couple minutes ago here, like, the guys like those, they need freedom. You can't, like, keep on breathing down their neck. Like, I, I Brian Pace was um, – breathed down his neck ever since he came to Chicago from 2015 to 2017, ever since Sean Fox was fired. Right. But then after that, the lease, the leash got longer, right? He signed Robert Quinn. He traded for Mac and all that, but then. Man, like if you go out and you give Robert Quinn $70 million with Jadavian Clowney on the market, dude, something's wrong with this franchise. Man, I, I know that Jadavian Clowney isn't the pass rusher and he's not paid to get sacks in Tennessee, but he's a hell of a run stopper that we could be needed right now. And Robert Quinn, man, every time I see him rush, he slips or he, he doesn't even, he misses the quarterback, man. So it's like the 13 and a half sacks that he got in Dallas, man, you got to give credit to the defensive. Um, defensive coordinator in Dallas, man. Like, there's Leighton Vanderish, there's Jalen Smith, two very good linebackers. Then you have Demarcus Ware on our side of the football helping um, him out. But then it just comes out to making the right moves. Like Demarcus Lawrence was another free agent out there, and you paid um, Robert Quinn. So well, I, I don't know. Like, if you were going to pay a run stuffer, you might as well just have kept Leonard Floyd for $13.2 million. And I would have been yeah. fine, honestly, like you, you with keeping Floyd it. on the I roster. Can't, I, can't, Floyd, I can't do that anymore. Look what Floyd's doing in L.A. He's in, a yeah. perfect, he's in a perfect situation right now, and that Rams defense is legit. I mean, that Bears game when the Rams played, I mean, the Rams, there was never a moment in that game where I'm like, yeah, the Bears can beat this team. As soon as that game started, I'm like, the Rams are beating us, or we're losing this game. And we got torched by them, and as we deserve, they're a better team. And the other losses the Bears have had this year, there's been definitely moments where I'm like, we can win this game. That Rams game, I didn't feel that moment once. And Leonard Floyd was a big part of that. He was huge in that game. And obviously, he hasn't been, you know, news-breaking as a player, but he's been a fundamental part of that Rams defense this year and why it's so successful. And that's frustrating because I feel like at times, I'm not saying the Bears give up on talent, but – it seems like the plan is, all right, you didn't work out, you're out, we're bringing in somebody else for more money. And right. look, I was hyped for the Robert Quinn sign because I looked at his stats. I didn't look at his actual, you know, I, I didn't look at that Dem- uh, Cowboys defense. I looked at the tons and tons of sacks he had and how successful he was. And I'm like, man, him lined up with Mac, no one's going to be able to throw the ball. Teams have very clearly been able to throw the ball this year. But, there, but there's one thing, though, like, you know, I like, and I want to make this really clear. I'm not saying that sacks is really important. But you are paying for those sacks. You are paying for that person to get home. And, like, if he does smack that hand and that ball does come loose and you get a field position on the other side of the field where you can go score in 40 yards, that's what you're paying for, which is a sack strip. So, technically, you are paying for sacks. Like, I don't care what the argument is. Like, if you pay for a guy that can get 16 sacks in a season, you better pay him $18 million, right? But this $14 million a year, one sack – 
you also have to understand the NFL is so pass-heavy oriented now. Yeah. You need to have guys like Robert Quinn, like Khalil Mack, who are able to put pressure on these good quarterbacks because that is how you're going to be able to stop good offenses. I mean, we're not in a league anymore where like pass rushers value isn't as valuable as it is now. Like you look at a team like the Raiders, for example, right? They're six and five. Their offense is starting to cook a little bit. Their biggest weakness is their pass defense. Teams are able to pass the ball all over them. Why? They don't have a good pass rush. You look at the Seahawks. They let up the most passing yards in the entire NFL. Their offense has helped them win games, and they're in a very tight division. What's going to separate them from a team like the Rams? The Rams' pass rush is better than the Seahawks' pass rush. We saw it when the Rams played the Rams. The Rams played the Seahawks, excuse me, a couple weeks ago. The Rams' yeah. defense was able to contain Russell Wilson enough that their offense was able to score more points. This is a league where you need a solid pass rush, and you don't need the biggest name guys. You can obviously scheme better, and I think that the difference between Vangio and Pagano's schemes have been very clear to me. I'm not saying that Pagano's the worst defensive coordinator, but he's not on the level of Vangio right now. But if you go sign a guy for a five-year deal with, I think three years are guaranteed, you said you can correct me on that, he better be able to get at least some pressure to help the rest of the pass rush. If he's not getting to the quarterback, he needs to help get to the quarterback. And I haven't seen that enough from him. I also just think the reality of it is you just gave him too much money. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, Bears fans keep on telling me that like, like okay, week by week, his, um, his pressures keep on going up. Pressure rates, percentages. Are you kidding me? I don't care about that. Get home. Get the turnover. Go the other way and score. Like, we're only averaging 19.1 points per game on offense. And you and know this what the- poor defense of ours, star-studded, is only allowing 17 points, man. 17. Yeah, and you know what the saddest part of all this is, right? So, like, okay, Pace basically went ahead and signed Rob Quinn to upgrade the pass rushing, right? And that move clearly has not worked out. The saddest part of it all is Team C now – Oh, Rob Quinn cannot do anything. So they only have to worry about him at this point. Like the worst part of it all is you signed a guy to basically unleash Khalil Mack even more because Rob Quinn was going to draw double teams. Akeem Hicks was going to draw double teams. And Hicks has been his same old self this year, right? Take that with a bit of a grain of salt. God bless him. Like Khalil Mack's been great too. Okay. He just gets held on every fucking play and no one is willing to admit it besides Bears fans. But then it's like Rob Quinn hasn't done anything. So guys, teams don't have to worry about Rob Quinn anymore. And that's the saddest part of all this. Is it's just like this guy's gonna be on the roster for the next at least until 2022. And we're just gonna have to deal with him like not being able to do so. And obviously the coaches last week were like, Yeah, well, you know, he knows it's not good enough. And Rob Quinn is like, Yeah, I know it's not good enough and I need to be better, etc. It's just like every time this coaching staff, right? Every time I'm sitting in these pressers on Zoom and I'm listening to what these guys have to say, it just comes down to, yeah, we know we suck right now. We need to be they don't even admit that they suck. I mean, because I'm saying they suck, right? And everyone knows that they suck, but it's just like they don't they pretty much will just be like, yeah, you know, we know we need to be better. It's like earlier in the year, Nagy was like, oh, we don't want to be one-dimensional on offense. We need to get better. And what are you doing? There was a stat that leaked that some dude put on Twitter that was like the Bears have the highest like run-to-pass ratio in the NFL. <sighs> That's just – I think it's just so frustrating because you give this guy all this money – who's supposed to help upgrade your defense. You sign this old tight end who isn't, hasn't been good in a couple of years and you do nothing to actually fix the problems at hand. You didn't bring anybody in on the offensive line to replace Kyle Long. Who's actually 
good enough to replace him. You didn't really address your quarterback situation that well. I know Foles was like the move, but it wasn't a great move. You brought in 11 tight ends, and then your tight end production has been completely down because you don't use them at all. And then you didn't – I mean, obviously you got lucky in the draft with Jalen Johnson, but like I'm just saying like the positions that got addressed last year should – like AJ said, should have been addressed in 2019, should have been addressed earlier because this year we needed help on offense – and we got Jermaine Ifedi and Jimmy Graham. And that didn't ha- that doesn't help us. Like Jimmy Graham's great every once in a while in the red zone, but that's it. And that's what's frustrating is because last this offseason was an opportunity. I mean, when you have Barkevius Mingo getting more production than the guy you signed to a five-year deal versus a veteran's minimum, you know you have a problem. And it's nothing against Barkevius Mingo. I mean, he's a great rotational guy, but that's his role as a rotational guy. He should not be getting more percentages of snaps on defense than the guy you gave $7 million to. And that's frustrating because there, if you're going to pay a guy, he's not going to be productive. You might as well have him paid him at all. And, and kept Leonard Floyd, like we said in the beginning, and that's frustrating. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that like, you know, the, one of the athletic interceptions that I've seen a couple of weeks ago by Nick Krakowski, you know, uh, one of those diving and um, yeah, you know, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and you, you know, you could have kept him for four years, 20 mil. I mean, I think that's what he went for in Vegas. So, and then I think Leonard Floyd is on a deal of nine and a half million for a year or close to $10 million with incentives. So, I mean, could have done something where you could have kept maybe both of these players for almost the same amount of guarantees that you paid Robert Quinn for. Uh, could probably kept Floyd on a three-year 27 uh, and Kwiatkowski on a four-year 20 so i mean decisions decisions and um 2019 they really just stayed passive um i saw that week one when i went to the packers game and the first play of the drive was a fumble and matt Nagy thought it was so smart to bench my starters in preseason while every team even the super bowl winning team was practicing in the preseason was playing the preseason games but matt Nagy was like let's sit the offense like they won the super bowl Let's sit them. What happens? Week one, we get we only scored three points. I think we we lost ten three. It was a and, bad game, dude. Yeah. That that week that one week game one. in twenty nineteen, right, is gonna go yeah. down as one of the worst losses in Bears history. Mm-hmm. And just because it was the, there was so much hype. Okay, so I wasn't so much. Hype. Yeah, I was living in the city at the time, and. It, I wake up that Thursday morning and I went to Starbucks, right? And I'm walking with a friend of mine. He was going to go to the whole shindig thing that they had going on at Grant Park that evening. We were there, right? The whole, all Thursday, the only thing I'm seeing is everyone's going to work, but they're wearing like Bears jerseys and whatnot. Like that was a city dude that was excited for a Super Bowl run. We it felt like we were ready for a Super Bowl run. They came out and everybody leaving Grant Park after they lost that game to the Packers in 2019 week one was like, Oh, it's all on the QB. And I recognized immediately. I was like, it's way more than the quarterback because the O-line freaking regressed. I mean, nobody showed up besides Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, the guy who actually led the team as in receiving touchdowns as a rookie did absolutely nothing. All right. Tariq Cohen looked off too. And then weren't even able, I mean, David Montgomery lit it up in the preseason, but they just were never willing to like get him. You know, they didn't even feed Montgomery consistently enough. And Mitch threw the ball like 42 times in that game. So all this stuff, right, lingers over. And speaking of playing the Packers in week one, 2019, I mean, we all know what's at stake here on Sunday Night Football, guys. And so 
I mean, AJ, I'll start with you on this one. Just as we get into our preview here against Green Bay, here are my personal thoughts on it. I mean, the defense is going to keep it close, but what's going to make the difference here is the offense. But who do you guys think needs to like show up in this game to have an actual shot for the Bears to come out with a W? Sam, you can go ahead, man. <laughs> the run game. Um, I say this because it covers several players. The offensive line, David Montgomery and Mitch Trubisky. If you look at the Packers' stats against the run the entire year, they have been bad against the run, even against bad teams. Jacksonville was able to put up over 100 rushing yards on them. The Colts put up a ton of rushing yards, and the Colts have a good offense, so I didn't mean to put them in the bad team loop, but I'm just trying to do a team that was relevant, right? If this Bears offense can run the ball at all, it doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to be big 98-yard rushing touchdowns or 40-yard gains. If you run the ball early and you drag this Packers defense through the mud in the first half, you're going to tire them out. You're going to put less pressure on the Bears defense. You're going to put less pressure on Mitch Trubisky, who should not be the reason why we win this game. I'd like to win this game for other factors because I think if it goes into Mitch's hand to win the game, I'm going to be very nervous, and I don't think it's going to come out very well. But if you run the ball early, you tire this Packers defense out, and you run the ball successfully – the second half of this game could be huge for the Bears because you're going to be playing a tired, bad Packers defense. I don't think – their defense is not good. I'm going to just straight up say they don't have a good defense. That's going to be why they lose in the playoffs. And I know Packers fans agree with me, at least some out there who are a little bit rational. If you run the ball somewhat well against this team, and I know obviously that's asking a lot for this offensive line, but – you know, you're getting a lot of the starters back. Sam Mustafer, I believe, is going to be active. You have white hair back. I believe you have Spriggs. If you have a somewhat average performance from the offensive line, you run the ball well, you're going to be able to keep this game close. And I think that is going to be one of the biggest things I'm going to be watching on Sunday night. Yeah, definitely. Just to piggyback on that, I really think the defense is not the, the area of question here. I really think that they keep the game – within reach for the offense, but it's going to come down for the bears to run the football. Just like Sam said, the, the Packers, uh, they're averaging 113.7 yards on the ground against their opponents. Um, so, well, sorry, not against their opponents. They're allowing 113 yards um, against their opponents. So it's going to be vital for the bears to run the football at least 30 times, you know, and David Montgomery, he cleared the concussion protocol. So he's going to be able to, able to suit up Sunday night. So that's huge. And we need to be seeing Lamar Miller too behind him. Like, I don't want to see Cordell Patterson ever again at running back. I just don't want to see that ever again. Like, why do we keep seeing that? It's it's above me. Like, and like, honestly, the bears, like they, they don't, they barely surprise me coming out of the bye because they're probably one of the slowest teams to come out of the bye, most unprepared teams to come out of the bye. So I am expecting a loss. I'm sorry, Bears fans. I just call it like I see it. Like, you know, Aaron Rodgers on one leg can throw four touchdowns and still beat us. So that defense, they're going to need to bring that heat. And if they don't, Rodgers is going to dance circles around you and he's going to win this game. He's definitely not going to lose to Mitch Trubisky. So for the backfield, here's – because you guys alluded to it. Like, AJ, you're right. I don't want to see Cordero Cordero Patterson, but Bears fans want to see him just because he's the team's chief free agent recruiter on Twitter, and everyone he recruits never even freaking comes to the Bears. Um, Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, what I'll say is this, right, is I don't want to see Ryan Nall either. Like, Ryan Nall should be handed a pink slip. 
as soon as they get off the bus and try to head into Lambeau Field, like that's when Ryan all should be handed a pink slip because it's just like this guy's most notable career moment was a 69 yard touchdown run in preseason a couple years ago. Since then, though, Ryan Nall has just been like complete, complete trash. All right. He's not the type of guy that you should even be playing in the preseason or let alone even in the regular season. He's just one of those guys that you sign on the roster on the 90 man roster heading into training camp just because you need to create additional competition. Like I would rather have at this point, Artavius Pierce play just because we know what Ryan all is. Ryan all is not it. He is not a good rotational back. He's the type of guy who can excel in pass protection. He has the build for that, but he can't even do that correctly either. So like you got to put Artavius Pierce in because you need speed for this offense. All right. You got to run some 21 personnel too. And scheme up something for David Montgomery and then for Artavius Pierce too. Because I re- the issue with Nagy just overall is that he doesn't play a lot of the rookies. So it's like you're doing yourself a disservice. I mean, you invested in Cole Komet because you also believed along with Pace he was going to be a perfect fit for your offense. And I'm not saying Cole Komet will, Cole Komet will never be a Travis Kelsey in this offense. He will never be a Hunter Henry, but he can be closer to a Kyle Rudolph, Zach Ertz type guy. Like I seriously believe Komet's floor is Kyle Rudolph and his ceiling is Zach Ertz. Yeah. And I think, I think you talk about personnel early on in the year, the bears were running a lot of 12 man personnel using a lot of their tight ends. And then they kind of went away from that more. I think even if you don't get Komet involved in, necessarily getting him on routes, get him involved in the 12 man personnel where you can use him as a blocking tight end and open up the floor a little bit for Jimmy Graham in the middle. The bears are successful with that. And Mitch was successful with that. It it did help Mitch when they ran 12 man personnel. So I think that's another thing the bears need to utilize on Sunday night. These on these long drives, run the ball, utilize your tight ends, you know, drag this first hat quarter out. I want this Bears first drive to be like eight to 10 minutes, which I know is extremely unrealistic and it's not going to happen, but drag that first couple of drives out slow. You know, this Bears defense can withhold, you know, Packer, you know, the Packers are going to make plays. You got Aaron Rodgers. I hate Aaron Rodgers, but he's an absolutely phenomenal quarterback. Don't allow him to make big plays. You know he's going to make some, but don't let him throw a 70-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Adams, right? Slow their offensive down just a little bit. Force them to run the ball. Make them do things that they aren't used to doing. Get a couple of three and outs, and you have a shot. That being said, I would be shocked if the Bears won this game on Sunday night. Yeah, I would be too. Like, if the Bears win this game, there's going to be so many things on Twitter. The Bears are back. The Bears are back. The Bears are back. Bears are oh, back. I'm in. I'm, I'm going to be one of those I'm people. In. I'm in, too. I'm in, too. 100%. Is, just win. Win out. If, if you think the Bears are back, just win out. Like, don't lose the next five games if you beat this game. Like, I don't want you to win this game just for you to lose the next five. If you win this game, you better be in the quest to win the next five. Yes. You know what I mean? If the- it's, a, and it's like – I just see it. It's just going to be difficult. Like this game, if you win this game, then I see that quest. Yeah. You, here's, and, yeah. here's my thing, right? Listen, if you're Ryan, for, first things first, if you're Matt Nagy, because Matt Nagy are one and three against Green Bay, Ryan Pace in six years is two and four because he's only had two wins against Green Bay anyway. And I think people don't realize. So Adam Hogue said this on his podcast. He was like, look, people don't realize that the – 
McCaskey family likes to judge guys essentially based off how the Bears are doing against the Packers because like the Packers have had the Bears number for the last decade and even longer. But the thing is, is the McCaskey family likes to use these Packers games as evaluation games because they realize this is that is a championship caliber franchise, right? Even though, yeah, they went through some down years, but that's because some of their players were freaking injured and whatnot. But the McCaskey family uses these as evaluation games because they view Green Bay as being a championship caliber team, and they realize this team needs to get there. Our team has to get there. Now, George being a freaking non-football head and keeping around Ted Phillips, I mean, 50% of the reason that the Bears have sucked for the last 30-plus years has been because of Ted Phillips, right, who's an effing loser, the other 50% of it, though, is just like they don't hire the right people, right? And George doesn't invest the way you should. I think George has got to understand that when you go into this Green Bay game, if you put a good product onto the field year in and year out and you invest more in the football side of things, your business side of the business side of things is going to see a big increase, too. All right, because people want to watch the Bears. The NFL wants to have the Bears on primetime. This is why at least once a year they put Bears Packers on primetime TV because they know people are going to tune in because it's it's the one rivalry that's like a backbone and a foundational pillar of the team or of the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I want to beat the Packers, and I don't think this team's that good, but I hate the Packers. That's how I was that's how I was raised. Don't like the Packers. Beat the Packers. Bears haven't done it in a while, but I don't care if the Bears were 0-9 or 0-10. I want to beat the Packers every time we play them. Correct. Didn't we that season Thanksgiving with Jay Cutler? Man, that was like one of the best Thanksgivings in my life. Man. <laughs> That's that true. Defended pass by Bryce Callahan, I think it was, on Devontae Adams. That was just, I thought there was a flag. I was looking on the field for a flag and stuff in the end zone. I'm like looking on the corner of my TV. Is there a flag? Is there a flag? And I'm like, and, I, and all I see is Rodgers on his ground with his hands on his chest and just knowing that he lost that good game. But, man, I mean, it, it would be great. It would be great that if the Bears just, just came out on Sunday, first score points, first drive points, seven points, and then the Green Bay is just like, all right, all right, let's let's turn this into a little shootout game, all right? And then we'll just watch uh, Mitch and Rogers go at it like they did in 2018. And hopefully, you know, Mitch brings out that um, that um, that uh, importance for this uh, for his career um, because if he wins this game, he's going to get a lot of teams on his radar um, for when he enters free agency. Because I don't know if the Bears are going to keep him. So. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge game for his own resume. Whether or not he's a Bears quarterback in 2021, I seriously doubt it. But, you know, if, when he comes into free agency and teams are looking at him and he's able to do anything these last six games, it definitely makes it more interesting for him. And hopefully, you know, he doesn't have to go get a backup job. He can go compete for a starting job. I would be shocked if the Bears kept him unless he came in and just lit it up. But you never know. I mean, it could happen. I'm not counting on it, but I'm a little bit hopeful. It could be fun to see Mitch kind of go on that quote-unquote revenge tour that Trubisky fans are hoping for. But I'm also very realistic. I've seen the guy play for a couple of years now. I'm, I'm not banking on that anytime soon. Honestly, I think he's going to go to Denver and join forces with Vic Fangio because I don't think um, Elway is going to fire Fangio that early. He, Elway, Elway knows that like Vic Fangio has like familiarity around the league with the players and stuff, and he does. He is a damn good head coach when it comes to like situational things. And like, yeah, I mean, Vic Fangio, he lost his best pass rusher. He, uh, Bradley Chubb is not having a good season so far, and like his defense is not playing as well. So I mean, like. 
you know, maybe with the better quarterback than Ripien and Drew Locke, I guess maybe Trubisky and Denver might be, this is just like long-term thinking. I think that might be a place for him. Bro, you want to know my honest opinion? I think what's going to happen is this because we're talking QB movement. What's going to, because Ben Albright told me this, that Sam Darnold is one of the guys around the league. Because Ben texted me this, right? And he straight up told me, he's like, yeah, you know, um, Sam Darnold is one of the guys around the league that, uh, still a really hot name just because he's been put in a screwy situation. And John Elway is in love with Sam Darnold too because he actually tried to trade up for Sam Darnold when the Browns took Baker Mayfield back in 2018. So I would not be surprised to see Sam Darnold in 2000 or in Denver in 2021. And then regarding Trubisky, I seriously would say he's probably going to go to New England because they're already running an offense there that fits what Trubisky can do with Cam Newton. Now, Trubisky's not the athlete or the physical specimen that Cam Newton is, but there's still a hell of a lot of other things that I think that Trubisky could excel in, especially because you know their Belichick and Josh McDaniels are going to build the offense to Trubisky's strength. Or if Greg Roman gets a head coaching job somewhere, Trubisky would be his first option as quarterback because you know like you could build a Lamar Jackson, Colin Kaepernick-type offense. And by the way, I would take Trubisky's passing ability over Lamar Jackson's passing ability. Yeah, I would too. Because this is what the head coaches are going to do. They're going to look at this. They're going to look at Trubisky as a raw product. And then in a year, they're going to turn him into a star. Like Josh McDaniels can do that. Greg, Ramo- Greg Roman can do that. Eric Biemi can do that if he gets Trubisky in a situation. But, like, that's the thing. I thought I think we hired the wrong guy. That's what I think. Like, I think we hired the guy that's just a good head coach but not a good play caller. And not a good scheme designer, dude. We Sorry, hired Matt Nagy, a, but that's just what I. We hired the freaking guy, right? Yeah, I legitimately believe that Pace hired Nagy because he was like the hottest name on the market. Because you look like the Colts wait, yeah. like Chris Chris Ballard waited a couple weeks and got Frank Reich, and Matt Nagy was the hottest name on the head coaching market that year. Personally, dude, the year before, I wanted a guy like Shanahan or Sean McVay, mm-hmm. right? But, yep. You know, like I said, it's like me and you rant about all the time, AJ. The Bears make moves a year too early or a year too late. So, like, looking at Nagy, you know, his – um, just in terms of the head coaching thing in general, dude, I don't know, like, how it's going to go. And I know we discussed it earlier on the show, but, like, the dude never – the, you basically took first off. I don't want to hear the whole thing of yeah, Trubisky was never Nagy's quarterback and not Nagy's handpicked guy because you took this job knowing you were going to have to work with him anyway. And the fact that you failed to get the best out of him and then benched him in what was a bit of a pissy move anyway, and then brought in Nick Foles. And then Nick Foles has not looked good. Like that just really speaks to volumes. You couldn't get it done with one guy, so you brought in your own guy. You can't get it done with your own guy, and now you're having to go back to. Trubisky and by the way the Bears are playing Trubisky again because Nick Foles is injured if not Matt Nagy would be confident enough to trot Nick Foles out there just because that's the arrogant head coach he is Mm -hmm. so you know Nagy's really failed in like every aspect here just with this team and yeah you know what people are like oh he's created a good culture and whatnot and it's just like well the best coach (laughs) the best coaches are the ones that are able to win but also create a good culture yeah well said. All right, final, give, a, give us final score predictions here, guys. I think I got, I got 17-10 Packers. 
So I did my score predictions on Bear Report today, right? And I put Packers 17, I think, Bears 14. And I said this, I was like, listen, the Bears defense is going to keep it close. If the Bears are going to win, they need to capitalize on opportunities that the defense gives them, specifically Mitch Trubisky, who's going to be the guy in charge of the offense. But what's going to happen is it's going to be like 14-14 late in the fourth quarter with like a minute 56 to go. And then Aaron Rodgers is going to show up and do what he's done for all these years and torment Bears fans once again. Yeah. I just I don't see the Bears scoring a touchdown until late in the game. I just think that first half we're going to have three points. No way we score until the fourth quarter the way that we've been playing. I hope Mitch proves me wrong. I hope I get proven wrong, but I don't see us scoring a touchdown until the fourth quarter. Did we did we score in the third quarter when Trubisky was our quarterback in the first three weeks? You guys remember? I, th- oh. I think so. I don't uh don't quote me. Did we scored that. in the Lions game at all in the third quarter? I don't remember. I think like, we, we no, because we had twenty one points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, okay, so we didn't okay. But so we didn't so score in the third quarter, dude, until like pretty sure yeah, I don't even know when the last time that we I think just this past week against the Vikings, but even that was a special teams one. This team is horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. See, that's the point, guys. If you want to beat the Packers, and this game is like tied, like it was in that Rams game when it was like I think it was ten ten or something like that. I think the game was tied when we were going into halftime, and we just laid an egg coming out after halftime, and we lost that game twenty four to ten. So, for me, my score prediction, I'm sorry, 31-13 Green Bay. It's not going to – Aaron Rodgers, man, like, he's going he's gonna to take a couple of drives just to assess how good this defense is playing, and he's going to start throwing darts as soon as they, they start getting gassed. Look and for I a really – uh, go ahead, AJ, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, but I really think that, like, you know, if this offense can't score in the first four or five drives in the first half – it will be like a 21-7 game going into halftime. It will. Green Bay. It will be like that because yeah. they're not, they're not going to like screw up multiple times on multiple drives and not come up empty. Like Mason Crosby, like even if they have to kick a 59-yard field goal, they'll do that. So there you have it. Uh, look for Devontae Adams' slot fade against Buster's screen. Uh, it's pretty notable to mention that uh, Grind has been beat on that route multiple times this year. I would think the Packers are going to target against him pretty heavily. He's our weakest uh, defensive back. I'm hoping Bagano plays a lot more zone and less press man because when, when Buster plays press man, he gets smoked every single time. and He hasn't gotten a lot of safety help. So I would look for a Devontae Adams slot fade touchdown on Sunday night. Fun fact, I saw Buster screen at the target in the West Loop once because he was walking out. He was walking in as I, as I was walking out. I was going to ask him, be like, yo, Buster, are we going to win this weekend? But then I was like, forget it. I don't want to remind him that this team, because this team was on a four-game losing streak last year too. But yeah, dude, screen got beat on the same route in Green Bay last year, I think in week 15, right? So, And it was against, obviously, Devontae Adams. So you got to have someone else playing over there. You got to get to Sean Gibson or Eddie Jackson giving him safety help because you know that route is coming. 100%. It's going to come and they're going to score off of it. If it's not if it's not Devontae Adams, it'll be one of the other receivers because that route has worked against him every single week. It's how A.J. Brown scored. Um, I think it's also how he got beat by Thielen last week, but uh, I would not be surprised if the Packers utilize that heavily. Also, guys, uh, let's let's also keep an eye on on Robert Tanyan. Um, 
Marquez Valdez Scantling too as well. Um, getting those seventy-one yards, fifty-five yard touchdowns. I mean, yeah, he did drop a uh, a crucial conversion here in overtime. But I mean, when he has space and he can catch the ball, he will catch it. Like he won't drop it. Um, also, Alan Lazard had the privilege of lining up against them in high school. Um, got burned twice. Now nah, it was it wasn't fun at all. But uh, hell of a receiver um, from Iowa State, really really good. Now is healthy, so Aaron Rodgers is going to have him. And Jay Sternberger has uh, picked up an important role um, in this year. So and as always, you have Aaron Jones in your backfield with Jamal Williams. So this is going to be it's going to be a tough offense to stop. Uh, I think our defense can stop it. But I don't think we can replicate the points on offense to help our defense out. So. Yeah, anyways, we're going to get out of here, all right? So you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Kosh. You can follow AJ and Sam on Twitter at AJDesai4 at SJSteve9. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at BarelyPod, at Barely underscore pod. Give us a like on facebook too we're gonna be back next tuesday guys hopefully or wednesday depending on whenever our very first official guest decides to get back to me and join the show because he definitely said he's coming on it's just a matter of scheduling but thanks for tuning in guys we'll see y'all later peace out bear down bear down